This is the Straight Dope, episode 63. I'm going to talk about range-finding binoculars, locate, range, and engage competitions, applications, and then some equipment and prize table stuff, range-finding binoculars. Range-finding binoculars are critical in a lot of shooting competitions, in a lot of hunting scenarios. I mean, really, with long-range rifle, if you think about it, there's only a couple unknowns, right? And the distance is one of them. If you go to a PRS competition or a competition with fixed known distances, that aspect is eliminated. But the bullets are constantly dropping because of gravity, and they're going at a particular speed. And so the only way to get a bullet to a target reliably and consistently is to know exactly how far away and exactly how fast your bullet is moving, right? So if you don't know how far away your target is, chances of hitting it are probably pretty slim if it's beyond a couple hundred yards. Therefore, the range-finding binoculars are as critical, maybe even more so. I, I, I think that we could probably even graph this for you uh, nerds out there. Maybe, maybe this is my opportunity to say that I'm going to come up with a graph or a chart that shows you the difference between plus or minus yardage and plus or minus standard deviation of your bullet drop because there's going to be a threshold where if you get the range wrong, it doesn't matter how good your bullets are, you're going to miss it, right, because of danger space. And, and, and you know, you, based on the standard deviation of your bullet, you might miss it because it goes over or under because the bullet's flying at different, different speeds, right? But so, so, so the time of flight is different, so the time it's exposed to gravity is different, and so you might hit high on the target if the bullet's going faster and low on the target if the bullet's going slower and all of those converge into this kind of marvelous experience of hitting a target and hearing it ding or having somebody say impact this weekend at the match there was an RO that scored people based on hearing the impact and not seeing it like I literally like probably 15 of us observed the RO say yeah I saw the target swing but I didn't hear it maybe it was the wind I'm not going to give anyway uh, unbelievable that some, uh, anyway, I, sorry, I got distracted. Um, squirrel. So what's up with range finding binoculars? There's all sorts. And I've been testing the SIGs, the Vortex, and now the Zeiss. I know there's a ton others and I haven't had a chance to field test those. And, um, you know, somebody asked me when I made a post about range finding binoculars, whether they worked in the dirt and so on and so forth. And they, people listed off these expensive ones. Look, if you want to send me something that's really expensive to test or have or use and, and then troubleshoot, I, I'm more than happy to do that. I'll, it, it, you know, if it works through initial tests, I'm happy. I'll even take it to a competition. And, you know, if I take something to a competition, that is asking a lot because it's expensive to go to a competition, right? But I'm not going to just go out and buy a dozen, you know, multi-thousand dollar pieces of equipment just to compare them side by side. And the the SIG, the Vortex, and the, the Zeiss have all been performing great, but the Zeiss outperformed for sure. Now, I haven't been testing it as long as the other ones, but uh, I feel like I can speak freely about it because right they're they're the ones that I'm testing and the the differences have to do with the beam divergence and you can get into the weeds talking about details but one thing I want to point out here is that you need to know the setting that it's on sometimes there's best sometimes there's last sometimes there's different settings that you can have there's scan settings depending on the atmospherics that you're in one might work better than the other. And so you don't hear about this a lot, but you can take it from best to last to scan. 
and I'll change those settings based on the atmosphere that I'm in. If it's if it's if there's fog, the laser might be able to get through and get your reading faster in one setting than the other. And so rather than tell you exactly what to do, what I want to do is say that go through your range finding binocular settings and go out in different environments. If it's if you have the opportunity to go out in fog, go out in fog. If you have the opportunity to go out in dust, go out in dust. If high light, low light, the, I don't think the light conditions necessarily, they don't affect the, the laser, but they, they might the coatings on the lenses, they might the dust accumulation on the lenses. But get familiar with what settings are going to provide you with an accurate reading and when, it, when it's going to break down because there's going to be times when it breaks down. For example, if it's foggy out, a lot of times I'll go out and I'll range something. I might even be able to see it, but I'll keep getting the feedback like 22 yards, 22 yards. And you know it's not 22 yards because it's getting um, a signal back b from the atmosphere before it gets to the target. If you change those settings from best to last to scan or, or you know, I'm, I'm, I'm making up those settings because they're some of the settings in the binoculars that I have, you might be able to penetrate through that environmental phenomena and actually get the range that you need. And so I can't stress that more. Get familiar with the settings and the modes because there's going to be a trick that you could use each of those to get an accurate reading. You don't want to get an inaccurate reading, think it's good, shoot and miss and find out that it's wrong. Okay, so you go through your settings and you screw around with them. Now, what are some other things that you can do? Well, the first thing that I would do is figure out where your beam is on your reticle. Most rangefinding binoculars have a reticle, and that reticle is set up something like, you know, it usually involves some sort of a circle with some sort of marks on it so that you can figure out, you know, what you're aiming at. Some of them have a center dot, some of them don't. Probably my biggest gripe with the Zeiss so far is there's not a center aim dot. It's just a big circle. And the reason I, you need to have all that stuff known is because more than likely, the laser is not in the center of that reticle. So when you flash it up on a target, if the target is smaller than that circle and you range something, you're probably going to get a range of something other than the target itself. The, the trick here is that you got to have something narrow in the vertical axis and narrow in the horizontal axis that you can test this on. You can do it on you know, a faraway telephone pole. You can do it on... Um, a wire, you could do it on um, antennas, you can do it on, uh, but, but the point is you need something that's exclusively vertical and then exclusively horizontal and small because what you're going to do is you're going to arrange that and you're going to move it around your reticle until you get that positive feedback of the correct range and then you know the x-axis that it's on and the y-axis that it's on and then when they converge that's going to be the center of your beam. That's where you want to aim to get a range on a target in the field. My vortex is about 1.30 on the circle. My SIGs are about 10 o'clock just inside of the circle. So maybe um, you know a third of the way in from the edge to the center. And the Zeiss, for whatever reason, is dead center in the center of the circle. If you don't do that test, you're going to get wrong ranges. If you do the test, then you know exactly where to hold the reticle on the target to get the feedback of the thing that you're aiming at because a lot of times we're aiming at small stuff and it's really easy to get the wrong range and afterwards at these locate range and engage competitions a lot of times we sit around and say like you know what range did you have for that target what range did you have and people come back with all sorts of answers but the ones that got hit they're usually the same answer right and then you say okay well you were probably ranging the hill behind or the hill in front or the bush to the right or 
there, there's one reason or another that you can deduce after speaking with people, and we do this all the time afterwards, what range, and we compare and contrast uh, who's getting the right ranges more frequently and what are they using and how familiar are they with the reticle, and that is the common factor. Is knowing where the beam is in your reticle on your range finders is very, very, very important. Now, the speed that you can tap it and get the feedback with is also important. And I like it to refresh every time I hit the button. And so that's one of my gripes with the six is that it's very hard for me to tell is it making a new reading or not because it doesn't blip like the Vortex does or like the Zeiss do. Um, now, the, the functionality of the laser of the SIG, it, it's fine. But I want that positive feedback, that mental feedback that it's, it's ranging again and it's giving me a new range. But, but a lot of times that readout doesn't change. And so I'm not sure, like, God, is it? Is this it or not? And more often than not, it's the correct reading. But I still want to know if I if I hit the target and then I aim left and I and I shoot the the hill behind it. I want to see that number change, even if it's only four yards. I want to say like you know five sixty seven, five sixty seven, five sixty seven, five seventy, five seventy, five sixty seven, five seventy, and I can go back and forth. Okay, correct, not correct, correct, not correct. Because a lot of times at these matches, the target stands. You can't see the base. And you can see terrain between and behind that. And it's hard to tell the depth that the target's at relative to the ground. And the best way to confirm that is you range the foreground, you, you range aft, you range left and right, and then you try to get the target. And there were, that, that, that's the way you know, okay, when I come under the target, I'm ranging 450. When I go above the target, I'm getting 670. So I got 450, 670. I'm going to go left. 670, right, 450. Okay, the terrain's sloping up and right. Now I'm going to try to hit the target. If it's 450, I'm, I'm not going to deal with it. If it's 670, I'm not going to deal with it. I know it's somewhere in between those. I'm looking for a number in between 450, 670, 450, 670, and I'm pinging it, pinging it, pinging it, pinging it, 544, bang, I know that's it, right? Write down 544, and I'm not going to write anything down until I've done that confirmation. I'm pinging all over the place, right? If you could see through my binoculars, they're spazzing out forward, back, left, right. Now I'm, now I'm pinging it up, down, left, right, up, down, left, right, until I can see a number change from the clearly above or to the left of the target, right? Clearly below it. And now I'm trying to get feedback from in between. And I'm going to do that until I get a number that's different than those two. And that's kind of how I operate through those things. Now, the the key there, though, is knowing that when you press the button, you're getting a new reading, and that's that that's important to me visually and tactily. And I know that's a personal thing, but I want to know it's taking a reading when I'm pressing the button. And if I press it three times really quick, some people put it on a scan mode, and then you just hold it down, and it gives you readings as the laser moves around. And I think that um, that's another good option that people do. I haven't employed that as much personally at a competition. And... Um, and so I can't really speak credibly to it, but it makes a lot of sense. If that number's changing every time, you know, as the laser is pinging around as you're moving the reticle, you're able to get that visual in a streaming fashion of far close, far close, far close, middle, bang, that's it, right? It's got to be the middle reading. Um, those things are very important, right? And you want a powerful laser that's going to cut through shit. It's going to act, and it's going to be able to give you a good reading. You don't want to have a lot of deviation in that. Now, I like binoculars because I want to. I don't want to have multiple devices. When I see people using multiple devices, they've got binoculars and a separate rangefinder all kind of attached to a MUB system on their tripods, and that's a lot of shit that is taking up a lot of space. 
And, you know, it's expensive. If you're like, okay, well, I got these binoculars, and they're pretty good. And I got these rangefinders, and they're pretty good. And I got to buy this more shit to buy more shit to buy more shit. And it's like, man, are we doing this to buy shit? Or are we doing this to, like, optimize our system? And for me personally, optimizing means paring down the system so the fewer things that do more stuff, I'm totally into that. If you want to buy more shit and strap it on to, like, more stuff so that your tripod looks like a fucking weather station, like, more power to you. That's fucking awesome. I have no problem with that. That is not where I'm headed in life, right? I want to have the fewest gadgets with the most function. And as I improve as a shooter personally, you're going to see me carrying less and less and less. I told somebody, like, the ultimate goal is to just, you know, have a rifle on a sling and be able to perform at the level that people are using rifle, you know, sling, tripod bags, and so on and so forth. Like, that's literally the trajectory that my training path is on. And I'm not doing that now because I can't shoot that well just with a sling and compete shoulder-to-shoulder, like, at a, at a PRS match with somebody with a game-changer and a 30-pound rifle. But if I could live a 1,000 years, in a 1,000 years, ideally, you know, I'd be able to, to do that offhand, you know, or, or whatever, support it on my knees, um, with just a rifle and a sling and some kind of range finding system. I don't want a lot of stuff, right? Because a lot of stuff means there's a lot of points of failure. Points of failure is a matter of time and statistics because everything's going to break. And, and I think that's another thing that, that uh, even though it has nothing to do with range finding binoculars, all of the equipment that we use is more or less disposable. They just have disposable rates or rates of, of spoiling, so to speak, that are faster or slower, right? Your barrel is disposable. At, at, a, at a round count, you got to throw it away, right? And and leading up to that round count, depending on what you shoot, you got to throw it away. Your brass is disposable. You can only resize it so much. And your bullets are, you know, one-time use, right? And powder and binoculars and batteries and glass and scopes and everything is going to eventually break. And so I don't want to just put dozens of things in front of me that are going to break if I can put half a dozen. So I think in terms of function, performance first, and then what can I do with less? And if, 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 if the opportunity presents itself so that you could do just as much with fewer things, I'm going to do that. For example, if I can get an action with an integrated rail, it's a no-brainer. I'm going to get the integrated rail because I don't have those screws. The potential for the screws to come loose is less. Anything that screws onto your rifle and mounts, right? Like scope rings, scope, mounts, whatever, right? Th- there's just chances for failure. So take out all of those nodes of failure and you're, you know, now you don't have to worry about as much. You can worry about getting the appropriate range. Now, why, if you get the appropriate range and you're in the field at these competitions, one thing that could cause a miss is that the DA changed and you didn't take account of that. So, if, so this weekend, like we broke 100 degrees. And I'm not, I'm not, this isn't the episode to talk about the NRL Hunter finale, but we just had the Hunter finale and the, the temperature, we went over 100 degrees for sure. But when we started, it was probably 60 degrees. So 60 to 100 is going to affect the density altitude that you're shooting in. And uh, density altitude, if you just grab your Kestrel and you change the temperature from 60 degrees to 100 degrees, look at the swing at your elevation of what the density altitude is, and then put in, say, an average target distance of six, 700 yards. It wasn't six, 700 yards, but we're still shooting targets at six, 700 yards. And, and, and there were a lot of targets at three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And 
look at the elevation difference that you're playing with. Now, if you have that swing and your dope changes in elevation and you combine that swing and elevation with the swing and your standard deviation, all of a sudden, if you started shooting at 60 degrees and you didn't update it and it's 100 degrees and you've got a standard deviation that has a lot of vertical in it already, you know, chances are you're going to start missing targets because of vertical. So eliminating those variables means updating the density altitude to the temperature that you're, you're shooting in. Uh, but, but also, you know, if you get the range wrong and your data is wrong, you know, it's, it's just going to be a wild clusterfuck, right? So range finding binoculars are very important. I get a little anal and I change the batteries like before a big match, no matter what. So um, I don't usually compete like in, at a high tempo in terms of match to match to match to match. But, you know, when I'm at home, I don't worry about them and I'll use them and I'll test them and I'll take them out to the field and stuff. But right before a match, I kind of go through this process of everything gets new batteries and then I make sure it works. And then I go to the match and I know everything has new batteries at the match because things can go wrong. And I've had, but I've had batteries die and I've had binoculars break because of field conditions and it sucks to have your gear go down. You know, one of these hunter matches, I dropped the binoculars and it chipped the lens and the lens didn't get the feedback from the laser. So it would ping the laser, but it just wouldn't get a signal back. And so then you can't get a range. Pretty hard to hit targets without a range finding binocular. But it's going to do the same thing if you don't have batteries. All right, so here is the cast out. You know, remember when I talked about SIG kind of failing because they have a compass feature that's not accessible on the main page. You have to toggle between them. And with a compass feature and a laser, you've got XY coordinates, and it basically takes out the necessity of walking your partner on a target if you can do that quickly. Now, I heard back that their compass isn't accurate, and, it's, and you can't sync it to another one, and so there's a lot of issues with that. But that, that's technological and something that hopefully they, they can fix because they're making it and selling it, and you're buying it you know, partially for those reasons. But if you have those XY coordinates, you can walk somebody on a target instantly, right? Within within seconds, you could be on any target. If I say 270 degrees, 550 yards, there's, you know, your X and your Y, right? They intersect on the target. Bingo. The thing, there's a lot of powerful range-finding binoculars for competitors and, you know, I'm not, this isn't speaking necessarily in hunting context, but there are binoculars with reticles in them. Leupold makes one called the Ranger, and Vortex makes one, or maybe it's not called the Ranger. I don't know what the fuck. But, but anyway, Lupo makes one, Vortex makes one. Um, there are plenty of other ones. Like I think Steiner has one. You know, if you if you want to pay ten thousand bucks, and um, we need reticles in our stupid binoculars. Period. If you don't have a reticle, you can't measure anything. So if you're looking around for anything. And you're like, oh, I wonder how far away it is. You get you get an idea based on the reticle subtensions, if if you know how big that thing is. Now, I'm not saying that we should all go out and reticle range shit. No, but if you're spotting for a shooter, or if you're uh, looking at mirage, or if you're looking at at all sorts of stuff, it helps to have a ruler in your face. If you have a rangefinder binocular set with a reticle in it, you have got basically a supercomputer, uh, you know lens, or well, I guess your brain's a supercomputer, um, and then all of a sudden I realized that there's a lot of folks out there that I can't say that to, but okay, anyway, you got this these range-finding binoculars, 
If you put a reticle in it, now you have this powerful tool. Without the reticle, how are you going to tell you, you know, how, okay, gosh, how do we say this? How often have you heard people looking through binoculars saying, oh man, you just missed off the right edge? Because they're looking through binoculars. If somebody has a reticle, like you're spotting through your rifle scope, right? Uh, this weekend, there's a little kerfuffle because people weren't sure if you could spot through your rifle scope or not when your partner was shooting. And uh, the answer is yes, you can spot through your rifle scope if your partner's not shooting, if you're not on a shooting position with your rifle because, you know, that's that. If your partner shoots just off the right edge because you're looking through binoculars, like, oh man, yeah, you just missed to the right, you know, like a little bit to the left versus you say, go left five tenths because you were looking at a reticle, you saw where their impact was, literally with a reticle on a stationary solid platform, you saw where it was, you correct that to center, you say, hold five tenths left from where you just shot. They hit center of the plate, period. Not, oh, I just kind of saw like this or that or whatever. We're, that's bullshit. We're shooting these precision instruments. You don't want to be like, oh, it's just a little bit more or a little bit this or, or quarter plate here or quarter, you know, whatever. No. Put a reticle on there and give the people the ability to make precise corrections, precise measurements, precise tools, right? If you've got these precision instruments that aren't precise, right, it's just kind of hand-etched what willy-nilly like, you know, oh, yeah, I just drew the reticle on the front of the glass and kind of estimated it. No, like put a compass that works or um, use a gyroscope, right? Right. That's the that's the fix for the for the compass is uh, tether it to a gyroscope, set it, true it. And now your binoculars and my binoculars work identical. We, we don't have to worry about the effect of all that other stuff. True it, give an angle, or put in a reticle. And now, I, you know, a lot of you might be screaming an answer that I didn't think of, like, you know, with hunting, we don't need a reticle. It blocks the field of view and all that stuff. And you guys are probably also using a Tremor 3, blocking your field of view with your rifle scope, right? So um, visually, we need to see a lot of stuff, but it's also nice to be able to measure it. So put a tiny, like barely visible, or make the but make the reticle toggleable. Like you can turn it on, you can turn it off. I don't, I don't know. I'm not an engineer. I don't make binoculars. I don't make rifle scopes. But it seems like we can make a lot of products that would help shooters rather than just be more shit that we're offering that, that, that doesn't really do much. Or you have to take a special training course to learn how to use it. And then even then, it's not really precise. Um, let's encourage folks to get on the ball. And hopefully getting on the ball means at, like one of you big manufacturers, just try it. Put a freaking reticle on a rangefinding binocular. Like that would be totally awesome. Right. If the laser comes back in the right one, then put it on the left one. And if you don't want to see it, then close your left eye and look at it through the one without the reticle in it. Um, I, don't, I don't know, but but it seems to me like adding function to a long range rifle means the ability to increase precision. If you can't answer how this increases precision and reliability and repeatability, then it doesn't belong in long-range rifle, right? You can have a 4-MOA dot on a pistol, and it doesn't matter. 8-MOA dot on a pistol because you're shooting at 5 feet. You can't have an MOA aim dot on a long-range rifle because 8-MOA probably is unacceptable beyond shooting a deer inside of 100. So that's my food for thought. Pick and choose your equipment based on its functionality have less parts for failure and work towards more precision using less stuff 
And if you're kicking ass on the rifle craft drill and you're drilling it at one inch, constantly repeating, consider using a lighter bag, smaller bag, lighter rifle, and experiment till it opens up a little bit and then train so that it comes back down to that standard that you achieved with your ultimate setup. Because then you're increasing your ability using less with a wobblier system, with a harder to control system, with, you know, as you pare down, as your growth happens, then you have got measurable growth that you can sustain over time. That measurable growth, it might not be applicable at the competition format that you're going to, but you're still gaining skill. And as you gain skill in the future, there might be an opportunity to display that and there might not. And I think that measuring that growth is fun and it doesn't depend on necessarily on the outlets that you're going to uh, it's more of a bigger picture personal thing of like, wow, I'm learning this, I'm getting more comfortable with it, and I'm appreciating you know, the art and the, the scope of what we can do with the rifle system and not just um, you know, do one thing for one application because if that application changes, then all of a sudden you're kind of left high and dry. So anyway, that's the food for thought. Range-finding binoculars and a couple techniques to optimize getting the range and getting on your rifle system. So until next time.